Hello there, I'm Alyssa Olenek, scientist, exercise enthusiast, weightlifter, outdoors lover, and entrepreneur. I believe that the extremes in the fitness and wellness industries are leaving way too many of us out of the conversation, not telling us the knowledge that we actually need to succeed in our health, our wellness, our nutrition, and quite frankly, our lives. They end up giving us black and white polarizing messages that leave us more confused than giving us the answers that we need. Through my 10 years of studying exercise science, metabolism, and female physiology, as well as exploring the outdoors and being a fitness athlete myself, I'm here to bring to you the conversations that need to be had in an industry that often is too far focused on extremes. So if you join me on this podcast, I truly believe that life is best lived in the messy middle. Hello there, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Messy Middle Podcast X, my YouTube channel. So for those of you who have been listening along to the Messy Middle Podcast, you might have recently realized that I started a YouTube channel as well. And so a way to kind of kill two birds with one stone and kind of give you all the best resource and place for you to learn more about things is cross-posting my podcast episodes to YouTube and or combining them into one place. So those of you who like to listen on the go can learn. And those of you who like to watch and listen from your computer, your phone, on the treadmill, whatever you're doing can do so. So if you are listening to this from the Messy Middle Podcast, um, on your phone, but you have a YouTube app or you use YouTube, do me a favor and go ahead and go to our YouTube link. We'll link it in the show notes here and subscribe and like these videos because that will help support me and help supporting continuing me making content for you all on this lovely platform. So what I want to talk to you about today though, now that that is all to the side, um, is zones. So running in zones, cardio zones, intensity zones. I get a lot of questions about zones all the time. And that's because I really subscribe and love to utilize the zone model specifically in my running programs, but across all sorts of conditioning, training, um, any sort of cardio activities. I think zones are a fantastic way for us to help control and regulate our exertion and or how intense of the exercise that we're doing. So it seems to be that the common trend right now is that one, everyone's doing everything high intense all the time. Two, everyone's demonizing everyone doing everything high intense all the time. But what's really happening is that so many of you listening to this are probably not actually doing things easy enough but you're also probably not doing things intense enough. A lot of you are probably following into this moderate intensity zone, which isn't inherently bad. We're gonna get into that in two a second. So I use running zones with running, but I wanna make it very clear that running zones um, don't, running doesn't have a monopoly over zones. Zones can be applied to rowing, skiing, the biker, the treadmill, the electrical, the stair stepper, all these things. So zones are essentially just classifications for heart rate or intensity based on basically using heart rate, RPE, talk test, exertion, different descriptives like this. And what they do is they help control how hard that you're working because every workout has an intention and its intensity is part of that intention. And so some workouts more than you probably realize are meant to be easy. They're meant to be easier efforts. And some workouts are meant to be harder efforts and that's okay. But we want to specify this because then we can program and periodize our training so that it makes sense. We're not going all out all the time, but we're also not only going easy and neglecting those higher, harder intensities. So zones can be broken down essentially into five zones. So there's zone one, two, three, four, and five. And so what you all will most likely associate with zone one is going to be walking. So a lot of people promote walking, general daily activity, and that largely falls into zone one. So 
for those of you who maybe are like, okay, well, I get my heart rate up from walking. Maybe you're walking more intensely or you're new to running. That's totally okay if walking falls into zone two plus. But for the most part, like our daily general activity is going to fall into zone one. So this isn't really like a specific intentional um, exercise type zone. It's kind of that general daily activity and we can kind of accumulate as much zone one as we really want or can. It's not really harmful. Um, it's not going to yield the same benefits as those at higher, harder zones or going off the zone model, but it's fantastic. And the nice thing is that the easier the zone is, the more volume you kind of can do with it without it being super fatiguing. So you know that if you do an all out 20 minute CrossFit Metcon, you're a lot more toasted than if you walked around the grocery store, right? And so you could probably walk around all day and yes, you will still get fatigued entire but it doesn't feel as taxing physiologically on you as you're engaging in that so zone one is essentially 50 to 60 percent of your heart rate max um <clears throat> and if in my ebook such as endure we use the rpe model and talk test and more descriptives as well with all of these so it's kind of pretty easy so your heart rate max is 220 minus your age um give or take 10 beats per minute um finding your true heart rate max is probably more ideal in these situations for those of you who don't know that you're just going off your smartwatch trying to figure out what your heart rate will go up to with you know, maximal intensity and go from there. Um, but it's about 50 to 50 to 60% of your heart rate max. It's pretty easy going um, everyday movements. So 220 minus my age, I'm 29 is 191. Technically, I think my heart, my high max heart rate is actually higher than that. But let's ground it to, to, to 190 to make it easier. And so 50% of 190, let me make sure I have this correct before I do it. I'm not really good at math. Let's round it to 200. It would be 100 beats per minute. It's too embarrassing. There's too much pressure on camera to round and divide by two. What do you think? I have a PhD. Um, but with that being said, let's say 200. Nice and easy. Um, you youngins, you Gen Zs listening to this, you're like, Max, her rate is 200. Good for you. You don't have to do math. But <clears throat> about 50% of that is about 100 to 100, probably maybe 110 beats per minute. So really easy, low intensity, but like you are moving. You're not just totally sitting. And so some of you who have really low resting heart rates like me, um, I think my heart rate oscillates between like 48 and 52 upon waking or in my sleep. And so you might, you know, need to work a little bit harder to get your heart rate up if you're pretty conditioned. Um, or those of you who are maybe not as conditioned, you might find your heart rate spiking. And so all of these things can improve, be improved with training and conditioning. But the point is zone one is just like walking around. You don't need to turn on your heart rate monitor when you're walking around the grocery store to make sure you stay in your zone. So Next is the beloved zone two. And we probably hear a ton about zone two all the time. And that's because zone two is like the best kept secret of the freaking cardiovascular training fitness industry. And it's one that most general consumers that are coaches and or running coaches or runners or haven't utilized this in the past don't really hear or think of. Because when we think of doing cardio or running, the biggest mistake that we do is that everyone wants to go all out all the time. And there is a time and a place for that. There is absolutely an appropriate time to do all or out harder intensities or threshold intensities. But zone two is that bread and butter of when you're increasing that heart rate to 60 to 70%. So a little bit more of what your max heart rate is, but you are able to still accumulate a ton of volume. And what you get from zone two specifically is this robust cardiovascular response where you can do the thing that we love to talk about all the time is creating a cardiovascular base or a cardio base. So this reserve of cardiovascular capacity that you're able to pull from when you're doing higher, harder intensities, recovering between intervals, deep in a race, all of these things. So think about it like when you're doing like your hypertrophy, maybe your GPP block um, and your strength training block, you're doing like four by 12 in things. You're creating just this capacity, this reserve, um, high volume, but you can kind of do a little bit more um, 
within those rep ranges to accumulate that. It's kind of same here on zone two. So you aren't doing the most fatiguing work. It sometimes can feel almost like it's too easy and that is the point. So zone two is intentional. I want to be very clear about that. Zone two is very intentional training. Um, it's not just walking around the grocery store. It is slightly increased intentional cardiovascular training. And so within this, we are able to help our bodies increase their ability to deliver oxygen to our muscles, which allows us to do work, produce more work, do these things during our physical activity. So this looks like things like increased capillary density. So capillaries are the tiny, tiny, tiny arteries that develop um, in response to cardiovascular training that allow us to get basically more highways into our muscles that bring blood. So think of your bloodstream as highways and the cars are oxygen or hemoglobin bringing in oxygen as passengers and you have four passengers and you can release the passengers in the muscle. But if you have more highways, you're able to get more oxygen to that muscle. And so with that being said, that oxygen has to be used by something and that is mitochondria. And so doing cardiovascular training increases mitochondrial content um, in or quality. So either your mitochondria have become more powerful, more capable, or you can develop more mitochondria and you essentially get better at just not just delivering, but uptaking muscle. So for some or uptaking oxygen with our muscle. For so many of you watching this, your fitness isn't limited by the fact that your body isn't able to get that oxygen to your muscles. It's limited by its ability to take it up and use it. So this type of training helps our body get really, really good at doing this. So it's high repetitive, um, easy contraction training that allows us to also stimulate and address or in stress um, our fat oxidation pathways. And so while you're still going to be utilizing a ton of carbohydrate when you're doing cardiovascular activities, we do want to improve our body's ability to do oxidative metabolism or use oxygen, um, rely on oxygen and be able to oxidize fat so it can spare carbs and or as an alternative fuel source along with carbohydrate during our higher and um, longer whatever cardiovascular activities that we are doing. And so um, all of this is stimulated through these high repetitive contractions, easy type training, and that allows us to improve something called our cardiovascular base. And this is this large reserve. And the nice thing about zone two, like I mentioned earlier, is that you can do a really high volume of it. You can do a ton of it. The Messy Middle Podcast will be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. Are you confused about what supplements you should actually be taking? In a world full of juice cleanses, detox teas, fancy promises, it can really be hard to trust anything. But high quality supplements, when dosed appropriately, can actually help support your fitness goals. And that's why I use Legion. I've been using Legion supplements since the beginning of this year, and after years of never really fully committing to one single brand due to lack of transparency in their labeling, unnecessary fluff, or just reporting things as blends and not knowing what's actually my product, I finally found a solid science-based product line that fits my supplementing needs. Legion's products are 100% naturally sweetened, and my favorite part, they are fully transparent in their labeling, and they use dosages that are actually backed by what the science says you need to be effective and support your fitness goals. And not the least amount you can get away with, and not just labeling as blends, but fully transparently telling you what's in your product and why they dosed it that way. And this is huge, because it lets you know exactly what you're taking and if it's actually going to be effective, and then you can know what's going into your body. My personal favorites are their cinnamon cereal whey. Yes, it tastes as good as it sounds. The mocha cappuccino plant protein. Pulse, their pre-workout, which comes in non-stimulant or caffeinated stimulant based. And Recharge, the recovery blend, which also gives me the creatine I need to move weights well in the gym. Legion offers 100% money back guaranteed if you're not happy with their products. And you can save 20% off your first order today with our code MESSYMIDDLE at checkout. That's M-E-S-S-Y. M-I-D-D-L-E at checkout to save 20% today. So when I'm training for an ultra marathon, 
I do a ton of zone two training because you can accumulate a ton of volume within that. And training for ultras requires a lot of volume of training, but you don't need to be training for an ultra marathon to get benefits from this. You can just be someone who does passive cardio at the gym, a bodybuilder who's concerned with their gains, a strength or power athlete who's just trying to improve their cardiovascular health. And what's nice about zone two training is it isn't highly fatiguing. So not only does it allow us to accumulate a high volume of training, which allows us to get a high training stimulus and um that is really indicative of the outcomes that we're going to get. That doesn't mean me saying more is better, but we doing more over time as we adapt is really good and really important. So more miles are going to make you faster, better runner. More cardio is going to make you more cardiovascularly trained runner. And having this reserve and base will also, yes, help you with your Metcons and, and other things like your group fitness classes, things like that. But you can do a ton of it, like I said, but it's not as fatiguing. And so this is a big reason when it comes to hybrid training, you or me or the people who follow my ebook hybrid and or what I do are able to do cardiovascular training along with resistance training is because we're not making every single cardiovascular effort. We make these high, hard intensity, speed work, threshold, max out all the time things, but we can accumulate volume that stimulates those pathways in large amounts that allow us to increase cardiovascular demands in a way that also isn't super fatiguing on our neuromuscular system and, or will essentially buy from our fitness in our next workout, whether that's strength or speed work or whatever it is, especially as we adapt to it over time. So zone two is fantastic. I love it. Um, there's either polarizing training or pyramidal training, and there's some controversy in the endurance world about what's better, but really theoretically polarized training is that you're gonna hang out and do a ton like 80, 20 in zone two, and then 20% or 10% even, um, in those higher zone models. And then pyramidal is kind of like, okay, you do a ton of zone two training and then that 10 to 20%, depending on your total training volume will be zone three, four, five, not just completely ignoring three. So we'll get to three in a second here. So with that being said, zone two is your friend. Um, it is really hard to stay in zone two. People complain about it all the time. I know, I know, I know. But if you're interested in learning more tips and tricks, especially for running for staying in zone two, make sure to snag a copy of Endure because it will really break that down for you with tons of uh, tricks, tips, and ways to kind of work with that within yourself, using RPE, talk test, adjusting for heat and humidity, all those things that can affect your heart rate um, and allowing you to kind of know what you're doing. Because the biggest thing with zone two is that it's not necessarily that you're trying to keep your heart rate down, although that is a great indicator of your intensity is that you're trying to keep your body from accumulating a ton of, um, lactate and lactate is what people tend to call lactic acid says they make it sore. It's not lactic acid, but, uh, it's something called lactate, which is a really cool molecule in our body. But when we accumulate a lot of it, it's more indicative, higher intensity exercise or fatigue. And that's not a bad thing, but really the goal with zone two training or easier training is to keep that lactate level lower. So if you find yourself starting to breathe heavier, um, unable to talk, um, unable to feel a sustainable pace that feels almost so easy that you can go all day, um, and, or any kind of, muscular fatigue as you're going, you're probably going too hard. So really, well, heart rate doesn't need to be perfect. There's other ways that we can assess this intensity. I think some people use their inability to keep their heart rate in zone two as an excuse to not do it, but really it takes time and practice. Give it more than a couple of weeks. Like I'm talking months of doing it. Even if your heart rate kind of spikes and goes back down, you have to run, walk, all of those things. Um, but really you're just trying to not let your body accumulate um, physiological fatigue in multiple ways, but really just keeping your blood lactate down. So you don't need to go get a lactate meter to test this, um, but really just like keep check with your body. If you start to feel like you're becoming more of an anaerobic state, quote unquote, where you're breathing heavier, having to slow down, can't sustain intensities, things like that, you're probably pushing too hard. So really that's what the main goal 
goal of this zone is. So heart rate is great because if you're doing a linear VO2 max test in a lab, um, or lactate threshold test, generally heart rate's going to increase with that lactate. And that's why we can use heart rate with this. Um, and that also really does vary and depend on person to person. Some people have higher lactate thresholds or um, crux points on which they start to influx higher than others. So if you're more fit, you might be further along in the spectrum versus less fit. You might be accumulating lactate sooner and just needing to slow down or walk or Low your pace um, below what your ego wants you to, but that is the biggest thing there. So understanding the physiology there, I think, helps people know that like why they're kind of doing this and staying in these intensity zones um, and avoiding things because then we get into zone three. And so zone three, you can kind of think of it as your threshold zone, and that is essentially um, the intensity of which is like the highest sustained pace that you could you could have for long periods of time. It's often going to be like your racing pace. And that's because that's kind of the intensity of which your body is, has increased lactate production, um, but isn't so high that it's accumulating it faster than it can recover it or, and, or re-metabolize it back into glucose, oxidize it, um, and, or turn essentially your body will turn lactate back into glucose. It's not necessarily a waste product. Um, but the more oxidatively capable you are, the more mitochondria capacity you have, the more, you know, oxygen that you're able to deliver and use in your muscles, the longer into training that this will start to occur. So your threshold will be higher. And this is why we want to develop that aerobic base. Cause it'll also translate to this threshold type training intensity, as well as the other stuff we'll get to in a second. So with that being said, um, this threshold zone is kind of gets a bad rap because it's known as the gray zone, because what's happening is that, like I was talking about with zone two, you don't want that high lactate accumulation here. You're kind of getting a good bit of lactate accumulation, but it's also being cleared out. So it's kind of sustainable, but fatiguing. It's highly fatiguing. You can't do a ton of it, but this is where I find most people who start running or start doing cardio really, really find themselves. Now, if you're just doing cardio for general health, and you're doing it a few times a week, it doesn't really matter. If you're in zone three, that's totally fine. Zone three isn't bad. The issue is when you have specific training goals or you're trying to get specific outcomes and or you're trying to negate the fatigue effect of cardio on other types of training, zone three kind of isn't the place you want to spend most of your time. Maybe a threshold run, a tempo run, things like that. So in my running programs and or endure, we use something called the threshold run to kind of figure out this intensity to kind of figure out what your other zones are. And that is your max sustain, max intensity, max pace, max power output that you can sustain while your lactate is able to basically accumulate and clear out because then otherwise, if it starts to increase too much, eventually you're going to have to stop or weight, recover, rest, whatever it is. So it's kind of that max sustained intensity. And so this is great for things like tempo runs. Um, you can use this once a week. You can use this closer to racing. Um, probably some of your like CrossFit Metcons are going to kind of fall in here if they're not, um, so intense or so long that they become aerobic where you're kind of hanging out in the middle here. So again, it's not bad. We just don't want it to be the bulk of our training. So if the low zone stuff is 20 or is 80 to 90% of our training, we want the most of it to be four to five. And then some of that to be this three, but it's totally okay to use zone through training. It's just generally, I don't utilize it as much outside of specific programs or specific workouts for these reasons. So zone three, gray zone, we kind of want to avoid it. And the biggest culprit is what I mean is we want to avoid zone three 
when we're trying to do zone two. And that's the biggest issue is most people end up running in zone three when they're actually supposed to be in zone two. And so if you feel like you're struggling with this balance, one, patience and time, two, figure out what your true max heart rate is, right? So like my true max heart rate shoots up to like 200 during workouts, but if I calculate it from 191, I might jit myself. So based off my Sanuto or my running watch heart rate calculations, I end up running in zone three a lot based off my watch, but based off my own personal physiology, I'm actually in zone two because I have that wiggle room of a little bit extra beats per minute um, when I hang out in like those upper 40s, low 50s sometimes. And so really kind of figuring out your own physiology can help with this because it can give you some wiggle room there. And if you find yourself trickling to that zone three, use a run walk protocol and or just slow down. It's also a lot easier to do zones on things like bikes, bike ergs, um, controlled um, treadmills, things like that. So do things like that just to get a feel for what it feels like. So then you know when other external things are impacting your heart rate and your environment, which again, we cover more in depth and endure, then you kind of know what's going on there. And so after zone three, we have our zone four and zone four and five are going to be essentially those higher, harder, maximal intensities. And essentially they will be related to basically the duration of the activity. So they are going to about 80 to 90% of our heart rate max in zone four to 90 to 100% of our heart rate max in zone five. And so generally the shorter the duration and the higher the speed, the closer it's going to get to zone five. So think like you're sprinting, your all out efforts. Um, and zone four is going to be maybe like your longer run intervals that you're either doing in a CrossFit wad or you're doing repeats of 400, 600, 800, one mile repeats, things like that. Things that you can sustain a high hard heart rate for an acute period of time, anywhere from like 20 seconds to 10 minutes ish, give or take. Um, but then you're having to back back down so you can either recover between these intervals and or um, you have some other alternative movement, maybe in a CrossFit Metcon where you're doing different things, your heart rate kind of goes back down before it spikes back again, right? So we're not hanging out in these in a very long period of time. Your shorter distance races and intensities may trickle up into this a little bit, like you're not super, super long efforts, but... What we utilize this for a ton is going to be the higher intensity specific training. So when we're not in this zone two, we want to do a lot of interval work, um, and or higher intensity training in these zone four to five. Um, and so I know I'm kind of talking about them together and lumping them in as one, but really the intensity and duration of what you're doing is going to largely dictate this. But the goal here is like, it's going to be highly fatiguing. You're going to feel muscle burn. You're going to feel more fatigue, but it's going to be shorter in duration, right? So these workouts are going to be your high intensity interval training, your sprint interval training, your run repeat training, um, and or your higher interval based training where you're hanging out in these high, hard intensity zones for just short periods of time and then recovering or backing off. And so these zones, these harder zones also do have benefit on things like our VO2 max, our mitochondrial density and or oxygen delivery. And what you essentially have is that you have um, really repeated low intensity, con repeated contraction type zone training in zone two with this high, like type two muscle fiber, harder output, higher power output type training. And both of these stimulate the pathways that improve our aerobic capacity or anaerobic capacity within the muscles from two different ways, but they increase all of the things that we want, like your increased capacity for metabolism, both fat metabolism and, you know, utilizing and preserving glucose, um, for when you need it more, and other parts of the activity, um, increase mitochondrial intensity, increase VO2 max, all of these things. And so you want to utilize a mix of both of these, but you could do a high volume of zone two to get a high volume of that because volume is going to be related to your training outcomes and adaptation. Well, here you don't need quite as much, but you can get a really robust strong, stressful stimulus of these things, stimulating the same pathway so we can get kind of the most bang for our buck on these things. 
And so these higher, harder intensity zones allow us to practice doing higher power outputs, training with increased fatigue, training in an uncomfortable or difficult environment with high lactate accumulation, kind of really mentally more difficult to sustain these intensities and paces. If you've ever done a run interval workout, you know this, or Metcon or things like that. So it allows us to practice those things, both from a mental standpoint, but from a physiological level and training our bodies to do that as well. So yes, high volumes of running, high mileage, high zone training itself can make you a better runner. High mileage is going to make you faster to some degree, um, or higher mileage or doing more miles or more time in your feet and running. But this is going to be what's going to essentially make you faster, more refined and, or practice those things as you move up to your race. So if you do the list method training programs, you see that I use a mix of run intervals, um, and or threshold runs intensities, kind of adjusting those things, um, for you as you get closer to your race state. So that if you're doing an intermediate program, you're kind of prepared for that, but also we have beginner options where you can do the easier stuff and just stick to that if you prefer and you don't really care. And so, um, these intensity zones are really hard. And so in common misconception, I think many people have is that when they're doing quote unquote hit or high intensity interval training that we see on Instagram, like the Fitspo hit that isn't really hit is that so many people are really kind of just working in that moderate intensity zone because they're not doing something with enough of a cardiovascular stimulus and or anaerobic um, high intensity power output to kind of trickle us into these. Um, or you're kind of staying in that zone three to zone four rather than intentionally spending time in these zones and or down here. And so when it comes to dosing this across the week, we already kind of talked about a pyramidal versus polarizing training program. And really you kind of want that 10 to 20% of your training volume. And I don't want all of you guys to think that like, well, I could do 20% so more is better. So think about the total time you're spending training each week and how much time you're spending in each intensity. It's easier to probably do minutes of what your intensity is or miles. Maybe if you want to do that, um, calculate that out, but really is a lot, can be a lot more simple as if you're not doing a ton of running, like super high volume running, one of these workouts a week is probably fine. One speed work workout a week is probably enough. Um, and, or along with some other stuff, um, within your training program, if you want to throw in some Metcons or cross training, you're totally fine, um, to do these things. But one or two of these is probably sufficient with the rest being easy. And I know that can be really scary and hard for people coming from like really high training backgrounds. And it's not bad to do high intensity all the time. If you're keeping the duration short, um, and that's all you're doing. So if you're really just doing those single CrossFit Metcons, um, and you have the capacity for it, but really, you know, even the CrossFit model is three days on one day off. So you're not doing these things. And so we don't want to over abuse these, even though they feel good. We want to start adding in more of that easy stuff and or getting, you can increase volume there super easily. So one to two of these a week, one to two hit workouts, sprint interval training workouts, um, higher, harder intensity specific workouts. Um, for my friends that are runners doing general conditioning, just doing cardio for health. And then my friends that do CrossFit, I know you're sitting there thinking, but I do Metcons all the time. You know, you can do your Metcons each week, but you want to make sure that you're not only doing Metcons, you're also complementing it with some aerobic type training in your training and or strength training that isn't always this high intense all the time. You kind of want to mix your intensities with your training, um, work with your gym's coach and or look at the programming or thinking about what you're adding on top of that. If you're just slapping on more intensity and volume, you can only do so much and can only sustain high and hard intensities, um, for so long before you're really just kind of sandbagging it and doing these things for your ego and just actually sticking in that zone three when something's supposed to be in a higher zone. So, you know, when you're able to go intense, you can feel that with your body and when you can't, it's okay to pull that back. So all in all, when it comes to this high intensity training, we want it to be small dosed, but not the bread and butter of our training or appropriately programmed if we're doing some Something that is more crossfit in nature, which I'm not against. And so I will round out this podcast with saying one, high intensity isn't bad, my friends. You just need to utilize it and program it correctly. 
all of you probably can benefit from more zone two training and even my beloved lifters, it's probably not going to be as fatiguing as some of this high, harder intensity stuff on you. So don't be afraid to slowly increase and improve that over time. You could probably do a lot and it's probably once you adapt to the beginning of it, if you're really on um, cardiovascular trained, it's really not going to be that taxing on your body. And so it's really good for you. Yes. Keep doing your zone one training and if you want to learn more about these things, go snag a copy of my ebook Endure. Um, Endure doesn't need to be necessarily just for runners. There's a lot of really beneficial information on the physiology of cardiovascular training, zones, how to adjust zones, especially for my runners who have issues with different environmental factors or other factors that can affect your heart rate and kind of how to adjust those, um, the patient's game with that, cadence, things like that, um, and or in general, the physiology and adaptation of cardiovascular training. Um, and if you are a runner looking for programs that do these things for you in a no-nonsense way, check out my the list method running programs we have beginner and intermediate programs 5k 10k half marathon marathon and 50k programs are currently in the process of coming to the app and they might be available once this podcast and or youtube video is out so thank you all so much for tuning in today um i get asked about zones all of the time and so i will shamelessly say that the zone video that you get in endure and or with that educational information is probably a little bit more um, helpful and goes beyond things that what I just talked about here in this video or podcast, as well as tables and descriptions of these things to allow you kind of learn and understand, but also apply these things easier. The biggest important thing with all of my products is that I want you to be able to apply these things to your training. So if you enjoy this video or podcast, please let me know, rate, review, subscribe to the podcast, subscribe, like comment on the YouTube. It helps things so much just for free 99 to help me out, help giving you all that free good, good. Um, and go ahead and let me know in the comments um, of YouTube and or share this um, on Instagram. Let me know if you learned something you found it helpful. If not, I will catch you on the next episode of the Messy Middle Podcast for my next YouTube video. I'm so grateful for you being here. Thank you so much. We'll catch you on the next one.